0: pretty amazing I think about this is it's one of those industries where in 10 years or 20 years we'll look back and we'll say oh it was so much different when we were going through it so we truly are going through kind of a revolution in this uh in this autonomous space and I think that's pretty cool to be a part of I mean how many times did you you look back now and you're like I wonder what it was like to be you know part of the, the team building you know the first Ford model or the cars
1: Episode 54 at Winning at Work with Alice Cummings. Now, Alice is a former food and beverage executive. She really was an expert in sales and logistics, a real passion for technology. And also as an entrepreneur, she saw an opportunity to take something that she discovered was a real problem in the food and beverage space. And that was how do you deliver fresh food really quick? There were no good solutions for that. And she is now the CEO, the president of Vertex. And it's a logistics startup dedicated to moving critical cargo in under four hours. And it's a multimodal solution, which does include drones. It's a very complicated, right now, very expensive proposition. She's very much on the pioneering path and as other companies are in this space to turn this into a reality. I think you guys are going to really find this fascinating because she knows this space so well. You're going to learn everything you needed to know about just in time logistics and what are the challenges facing companies and states that want to provide a quicker drone delivery service. So stay tuned for a great episode with Alice. Hey guys, if you're enjoying these podcasts, Please subscribe on your favorite platform, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, there's many others. Would love to have you as a, as a regular weekly listener. Be sure to share the content because these guests, you know, they're not professional podcasters. These are just executives from the business world. We're all connected on LinkedIn. So take these, download them, share them, get them out into your network because the information here is just is too good not to be shared.
0: When we first introduced ourselves to each other, you brought this superpowers topic up and I just loved it. And I said, I have to kind of dig deeper on this. And so what I ended up doing was I, I think we didn't sure that we have like these coaches right now in our lives. And so I went back and I talked to my coach and I said, hey, I mean, it's something that I recognize and I think I know what my superpowers are. But I'd love to do like an hour in this session on what are my superpowers and like kind of channel that and really bring it in and own it so that I could say, I feel proud to say that these are my superpowers. So I wish I had more time to like dive into that topic. But yes, I have recognized that, you know, I have a certain energy. I'm proud of that energy. Some people think that, you know, maybe I'm just a little bit too excited, a little bit too much, you know, Energizer Bunny some of the times. But I I love it. I own it. And I think it's a a part of me that I just, I want to carry with me. So it brings like this, um, you know, hopefully a passion to, what I'm doing, whatever I'm working on, whatever project I'm working on. And hopefully if I'm working with you, but, um, you know, it's just something that you have to live with passion and work with passion. And I, I try to carry that through with everything.
1: No, you definitely do. That definitely shines through. And some of the other episodes I've had, I've had this conversation with with folks too, is that if you've not taken a skills assessment, if you've not done something like that, Mm -hmm. most people have taken something but you some of them are better than others and I took the Clefton, Clifton strengths finder okay and that one really shone the light on me internally to get a better feel for all right how I show up and I've started to just own it and That's it's pretty great. rewarding it's very rewarding so you know I'm at that point now where I realize um you know what I do show up with is an action first kind of attitude. So if we're in a situation where there's stagnation, things aren't moving, you put me in there, I guarantee you we're going to start moving.
0: Absolutely. That's the action that we all like, right? And it's, um, you got to have conviction too, because you got to believe in what it is that you're doing in order to create that action and uh, channel that action. So I, I have not heard of Clifton Strength Finder. I'm going to go look that up. I just did a DISC report on my, you know, your kind of traditional, like, where do you the Yep. Yeah, And so, but it's still, it's still helpful uh, to have at least that understanding from like your skill. It is
1: helpful. It is very helpful. And I was a, a a high D I, but I was on the line. Like there's those four quadrants Yep. and I wasn't in like the top left of the D. I was actually right, very high on the line between quadrant one and two, weirdly like right on the line. So it's.
0: That, yeah, that is straight. I was all D, like right in that top right quadrant. So that was <laughs> so, um, yeah. right no, there with I mean, you. That it, definitely it,
1: shows up. That definitely does. shows up with you.
0: <clears> yeah. <throat> so, um, and so like, it doesn't matter where you fall on the chart or what it is. It's like recognize the strengths that you bring to the table and own it. And I got some um, – yeah, I love to share the advice that I'm given here, but um, another piece of advice for the podcast, I guess. but. Somebody had told me, stop trying to do it all. You know, just be good at what it is that you're good at and surround yourself with the people that are able to do what it is that you can't do or that you want to bring to the table and just recognize that you have the strength and they have that strength and be good at the team.
1: See, I think I'm more aligned with that philosophy because if you're always trying to build up what you're weak in... You're kind of maybe missing opportunities to do what you're strong in and maybe the situation you're in needs your strength and to your point bring in the other side that's you know your weakness and let them round you out to fix the problem and to get moving and get going
0: exactly so like for just a quick example um I love to be super genuine very trust building and I'm not always the you know the I'll be an alpha female to some extent, but I'm not going to be the person that's going to, like, lay down and get mad and get angry in some situations. I can, um, especially with, you know, my personal life. But when I need to be that assertive in a, in a, in a meeting environment, I'm usually – I come from a place where I'm trying to make people happy more and trying to make, you know, be meet in the middle, a win-win scenario. But sometimes you really do have to like lay it down and say, no, this is the way it's going to be. So I just put myself, you know, I kind of give myself a work bodyguard and he's the person that comes in and lays it down when I say, no, this isn't going to work. And we have a, an understanding and it just works out well. A
1: work bodyguard. I love it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. But, um, and I'm, and I'm slowly learning to be a little bit more assertive in those decisions because I'm still like newer in this, Executive role for the last couple of years. And sometimes I do have, I do want to grow those strengths, but I'm never going to be, you know, that kind of nasty person that's always saying no. And I don't want to be, but um, but I need to be in some situations. So,
1: well, I know this is not the normal way for us to start a podcast, but I feel like we've already started and we're just going to keep going. We're just going to keep going. We're going to keep rolling. Alice, welcome into the program today.
0: Thank you. Um, Appreciate it. Very excited to be here. Uh, It's my second only podcast. So I will say that that's pretty
1: cool. It's really awesome that you've done a podcast before. You kind of have an idea of what's going to happen here. The The whole goal of winning at work is to help people boost work performance. They do that by understanding what people do really well. And you've kind of touched on that. You know, you, you bring this energy, a passion, but what we're focused on today is really what's happening in this logistics world. And we, we started our conversation kind of offline because of the work that I'm doing in food service and the food space and the, the need to deliver food very fresh. It's got to be there almost you know, just in time. And that was your life, your background to start with. Uh, you've made a transition. You're doing something slightly different, but you're still using that philosophy. So before we get into our topic fully why don't you give people, uh, you know, a 30,000-foot overview of kind of where you've come from and this background of yours that's led you so deep into this logistics and kind of technology space?
0: Sure. Um, absolutely. And thank you for that opportunity to do that. So we did share – we do share the food service background. It's where I started my career. You know, I um, graduated from VCU down in Richmond, Virginia. I was a, just a kind of basic business and economics major, knew I wanted to go work for a big corporation, knew I wanted to make money, um, didn't really know how I was going to do all that. And there's some fun stories, I think, even in the finding of that first job that I could dive into another day. But I ended up working for a food distributor. And so a food distribution company called Performance Food Group, which is based out of Richmond, Virginia. There's a couple big ones. I think most people are familiar with Cisco Foods, US Foods, performance food group and then a lot of them have done some mergers and acquisitions over the years. And I decided to stay that route for about 5 years. I wanted to move to the big apple to New York City. I'd always wanted to live in a big city and so I transitioned with the company and I really started rounding out my career kind of unknowingly. I decided to move into manufacturing, then I was on the finance side, I had started on the marketing side and people were telling me I had such a great personality, I should go into the sales side. So I really did this whole like roundabout kind of fit in the food space between distribution, distribution excuse me, manufacturing, and then even um, working for um, the a broker so that you're kind of living in the middle of, the, of both worlds. And I and I loved the energy of the Northeast. I ended up um, taking over a position working for a company called Kettle Cuisine after a transition through PepsiCo. And um, so I was working for some bigger companies um, trying to market their products. And with Kettle Cuisine, I got this opportunity to lead a whole kind of national footprint. I had distributors um, of all sizes underneath of me. And then I got to go into this world of custom recipe development, innovation. And I loved it. And I just really liked what everything I, that the company was doing. I like the fresh products. But what I recognized is that with the customers, when you're dealing with customers on a direct basis or through dis- distribution or whatever it might be, that they always have this desire to buy something from you that's uh, here and now or new or whatever it might be, but they always need it fast. And a lot of times you're saving a customer, especially a restaurateur, um, for one day or two days, you know, for the next day they have a big event and they need a couple cases of product. And it's impossible to get that to the customer quickly because even though you might have the product available in your warehouse, even though you might have the product available within a short drive to that customer, the logistics of getting an order in, an order placed, sent out from the manufacturer, loaded onto a truck, drive a truck into the distribution warehouse, unload it, get a, get space, get time, get a delivery, and oh, by the way, you have to have truckload orders, um, you know, all sorts of things like that, and then get that to the restaurant restaurateur. That's impossible. So the problem that I was trying to solve in my regular life in food service was how do I get something in a small capacity to to a customer quickly? And I never was able to solve it. And I never really thought much about it, to be quite frank. And so I ended up, I'd always wanted to go into more of a real estate career and this innovation career. And I never really knew what I was going to do to get there, but I decided to make some changes. I did a big career transition and I ended up in innovation, Um, ironically, teaming up with an engineer to solve the problem of how do we move products fast? And I never really realized that was the path that was kind of unfolding in front of me. But what I ended up doing was uh, planning this logistics software with a team of engineers and a team of industry partners um, to move medical cargo quickly. And it has a lot of parallels with the food industry. So um, we're, you know, now I work for, I lead a company called Vertex. It's, um, I'm the president of the company. Uh, We are venture-backed, and it is working on a logistical software system, too, for on-demand logistics. And it incorporates all sorts of cool things with the future of transportation, everything around advanced air mobility with drones and with autonomous innovation, but then all the way down to just regular standard good old ground delivery, good old truck delivery, and regular commercial aircraft and uh, and charter aircraft.
1: What's the marketplace for this on-demand advanced uh, kind of air mobility
0: The market is mostly with, right now, medical communities. So if you're a hospital environment, the cargo that Vertex is moving and started a niche focus on was um, everything that's very time-sensitive, everything from blood and tissues and even vessels all the way to human organs. And so that is the most time-critical cargo that one could think of. You're truly saving lives by moving things quickly, and four to six hours is – a whole different model than what, you know, FedEx and UPS even the even the partners that are in that space now are moving things. So it's all within a day and preferably within a very short time window of 4 to 6 hours. But there's a market out there. I mean, it sounds silly to go from talking about human organs to talking about seafood delivery, but there's a market out there for, you know, trying to move fresh products like produce and seafood from their origination directly into the the plate uh, through the restaurant tour so they can get it in front of their customer.
1: I imagine the issue there is one of them is just cost. Like if you're talking about an organ, there is a, a you know, a cost associated with that and the payoff is incredible.
0: Absolutely. Oh, there's so many challenges. Um, But it, it, that's, I think the beauty of innovation is you're trying to navigate, you know, solve the problems. What are the challenges? We recognize it and here's the, you know, the step-by-step plan that we're putting in place to do that. But sure, there's a cost element. Um, It's not cheap to just go, you know, bring a drone in and, you know, move one piece of product. So there's going to be a cost benefit analysis to the cargo and what somebody's willing to pay for that flight. But there's definitely a a world coming. And so, I mean, some people, if you are paying attention into like the autonomous space where drones are actually starting to play, you know, moving somebody uh, or uh, delivering somebody a cup of coffee in the morning is four or five dollars. And so that we're looking at everything in that space all the way up to what, unfortunately for an organ transplant, it's a it's you know it's hundreds of thousands of dollars for all the coordination that's involved with um, even even the you know of course the surgeon but when it comes down to transportation it's definitely thousands of dollars to move things across even small geography so so there's a huge there's a huge component with the cost um, the challenges uh, you know is also time um, that's usually actually weighing more in in the side that we're working on than cost so the time is super important you have to look at the viability of organs, the viability of blood and tissues, like they, there is a time stamp on it. And just like with food, with perishables, I mean, I hate to keep giving that comparison and jumping between the two, but, you know, you have perishable distribution. So, um, so when it comes to the challenges, I mean, the easiest thing to do uh, for distribution is move directly between two points. So the, the shortest, quickest way between two points is a straight line, but you can't just turn a light switch on for drone delivery. It doesn't work that way. And even if you wanted to incorporate like helicopters all over the world, there's not enough pilots. There's not enough resources to do that because um, they can go like helipad to helipad for hospitals, um, not necessarily for, for distribution, but there are so many transportation providers out there that can offer a solution. And what Vertex was looking at, and I'm not trying to plug for Vertex, but what we were looking at is a multimodal capacity. So logistics in today's world is much, much more than just one point of transportation. So even though you might go on an app and book an Uber for yourself, ultimately you might be going somewhere that an Uber cannot get you. And so are you taking a series of, you know, transportation routes to get there? So logistics is, you know, to some people it's a little bit confusing because they don't always understand what it means. But if you go on Google Maps, then it's a very simple tool, very free tool that every single person in the world has used to plan out how you're going to drive from point A to point B. Well, then Waze came along and Waze said, well, we're going to introduce police. We're going to introduce traffic a little bit differently. And so everyone started, you know, working between the two systems. And you're like, what's the best route for me to get there? Well, there's a little bit of taste with that, with what we're doing. But then you also have to think about when you're planning a vacation, you know, it's not just the flight. It's everything around it. So you have to book your trip to the airport. You have to make sure that you're there in a certain amount of time. You have to make sure that you have the right bags. And if you need to send anything ahead of time, that you're sending a package ahead of time. You have to know your flight time, uh, monitor and understand if it's going to be delayed, if there's any any changes, any weather, any problems, anything like that. So you're doing all of that work. And for uh, the healthcare industry, when they're looking at trying to move organs, they're doing that on demand very quickly, like reaction time right now. I have to figure out how I can move this time sensitive cargo right now. And so I have to get it to the airport. I have to get a pilot to fly it from here to here, and then I have to get it from the airport to the hospital. So you look at weather, you look at delays, you look at traffic, you look at all of these things, and it takes hours of coordination. So we created a logistics platform that brings all of those data points together into one place, and it's also bringing all the transportation providers into one place, and then marrying that with the customers that need it so that you can see chat communications, imaging, data, weather, traffic, and all of your transportation options that are available now. So that's pretty exciting.
1: It is pretty cool, and particularly if it's on one platform, you've kind of done the work once. Give you know, in this time period, in this particular locale, so you don't have to recreate and go out and find it again. It's kind of this real time platform that, uh, exactly. that it always totally makes sense. You just to kind of tie customers into it. And now you're servicing more than one customer at one time. You mentioned drones. I think drones are kind of interesting. Um, what are the unique challenges just with getting this drone culture up? I'm not advocating for or against it, but I'm just kind of curious what, you know, what are your thoughts? What's kind of preventing and holding, holding back the Amazons of the world from unleashing, you know, these... Yeah.
0: <laughs> The, there's the, a whole
1: the, lot. The
0: locust. <laughs> yeah, the, the locust of, uh, of you know, economy and, uh, and convenience. So it, there's so much in that in that answer, but let me just kind of try to summarize it and categorize it. So the biggest challenges for the drone industry, really it comes down to FAA, you know, agency regulations and being compliant with those. But then most importantly, the infrastructure that comes along with that, like all the Department of Transportation's responsibilities local and federal government and then the safety around everything. So um, that's a lot right there. But, you know, in addition to it, of course, you always have the capital and the and the income that it takes to you know build these businesses. But if you think about having a driver's license, so if you get a driver's license and you were just told you can only drive on the road at this window of time during the day with no cars on it and you can only go from here to here, you would be pretty restricted in what you could do. <laughs> so you you would say, well, how can I how can I do more? And so that's Um, you know, you need a a road, you need a highway system, you need maybe some, uh, you know, traffic lights, you need all these things that keep you and prevent, you know, people from running into each other, all this infrastructure. And so then you need, you know, some sort of regulation to the driver's license, you need some sort of enforcement policy with the police, like you need, you know, a certain understanding and training for how to navigate that vehicle, what happens with the vehicle, how do you fill the vehicle with gas, you know, all these types of things are how we work in our system today. So it's the same thing for the drone industry, you have to have a place to recharge the drones. You have to have a place to land the drones in emergency. You have to have, you know, fuel or electric, um, you know, you know, battery charge. Like I was saying, you have to have radars, lights, traffic lights. There's not really that in the sky. So you have to come up with sensors and radars, all these pieces that make the infrastructure possible. And oh, by the way, roads, um, which aren't aren't there in the sky. So you have these highways of the sky that are really being developed currently through the departments of transportation across the country and then the federal government, the FAA, and there's all sorts of corridors for those uh, these drones to fly in, depending on their altitude level, and then also depending on their their capabilities and their certifications. So there's only three companies that have actually received what's called a COA, a Certificate of Authority to fly, and that would be Amazon, UPS, and Google Wing, or excuse me, Google's uh, Alphabet company. So those three companies have uh, really kind of bridged the gap for all of us. But the reality is, is that even if they had the most sophisticated, you know, most high performance, most safety, uh, you know, tested and performed drone, there is no infrastructure across the country for them to go just fly things, you know, for convenience, for Amazon, for UPS or for whatever. Um, They have to have infrastructure. And so all those challenges are what's really coming over the next probably three to five years. And, you know, UPS, uh, of course, is known for moving cargo, but then you've got companies like uber that are moving people and so people get confused and well how how is this all going to work well there is a cargo element to the advanced air mobility you know uh, development and then there's a people movement so there's drones of all sizes so to speak there's a whole classification system for them Um, and ultimately there's a whole lot of regulations that they all have to adhere to and a lot of safety performance that they have to perform, and then there's a type certification process that they have to go through. And there's a lot I could dive into, but in a nutshell, it's um, I would say it's three to five years of a lot of uh, groundwork being laid through the U.S. um, with the support of the FAA, with NASA, Departments of Transportation, and a lot of venture capital providers. (laughs) So hopefully we'll see a lot of change.
1: Massive investment that's going to be required. And you talk about the sensors. I can just imagine a situation where you've just got some – Local guy wants to fly his drone and, it you know, what's going to prevent or stop his drone from going up and disrupting this perfectly laid out, you know, plan of de- delivering from A to B. And then you have all the local businesses that maybe want to jump in and do this as well. Yeah. Um, so there's,
0: yeah, there's, there's so much that's really exciting. And that's part of what my life is with, uh, with the drones right now. But they are one piece of our puzzle. They're one piece of our transportation network.
1: What are the technology demands? You know, how do we move things fast?
0: So we're still working through the technology demands. Um, the, the main thing for Vertex is that we are past the prototype stage and we're in the market testing phase. So we are literally working with movers, partners of all transportation uh, operations, manned, unmanned, to execute what is our our logistics software. So can we connect? Can we integrate? You know, there's all sorts of pieces there that we have to simulate within demos to make sure that they work. Um, We've incorporated autonomous vehicles and did we cross off all the, you know, T's and dot all the I's. Does the integration work? Do the movies understand what's happening, you know, with handoffs, there's all sorts of, Things that I think scare people when you're trying to move things with autonomous uh, vehicles, but when it comes down yeah, to it's regular like
1: a lack of control and safety yeah, is kind of what happens there.
0: Exactly, and and a lot of that world is I think still being standardized and developed. So the technology demands are really like somewhat unknown. And the thing that's pretty amazing, I think, about this is it's one of those industries where in ten years or twenty years we'll look back and we'll say, "Oh, it was so much different when we were going through it." So we truly are going through kind of a revolution in this uh, in this autonomous space. And I think that's pretty cool to be a part of. I mean, how many times did you, do you look back now and you're like, I wonder what it was like to be, you know, part of the, the team building, you know, the first Ford model or the cars or or anything that, you know, has this like huge impact on society. And so I think over the next, you know, at, at minimum 10 years, uh, probably 20, we'll look back and be like, it was so different then because right now you're manually pulling in all of these pieces all of these partnerships, there's no real process to it. And that's what I'm trying to get my hands around right now is, you know, how does a small startup company like Vertex navigate this crazy field when we're just trying to prove a logistics prototype? Like I have to pull in all of these different partners to make all of this work, but that's, what's the beauty about our business. And what I think we'll create. And for the people that are in the autonomous space, it's that on steroids because you just, you can't do it all. There's no way your company can do it all. You can't do, you can't be the manufacturer of the drone and the operator and do all the type certification and find all the customers and go after all the customers individually and look at the weather and look at the, the routing and the optimization and all those components. So even though I hope I'm not talking too technical for a lot of people, but that is a piece that is just, um, you just got your arm stretched so wide and partners really have to come together. And it's a little it's a little fun, it's a little scary, but you have to share secrets. You have to talk about what your hurdles are, what your technology demands are. You have to, you know, put NDAs on everything, and you're out there trying to say, like, how can we, how can you help me, and how can I help you, and what information can we share? What data do you collect? What data do I collect? And how can we build an environment together? So there's a little bit of a war, and there's a little bit of a partnership going on at the same time. It's kind of crazy.
1: Oh, I can't believe you just brought that up. At the t- when this podcast actually will air, I think uh, one of the episodes that's coming up just before it is another example of how. Uh, one company in one organization decided there was too much information out there that they needed to gather. And instead of looking at people as, or companies as competitors, they were looked at more as these are our partners. These are people who are promoting and helping to lift up our industry. Therefore, we should be working together. And you've just kind of brought it together perfectly. There's mm-hmm. just way too much for you to think of everyone as a quote unquote competitor. Yeah, you've put in your DNA to be, you know, you're smart about it, but you're going to have to have people that tackle different aspects, right? You just can't see it all. You know, the other thing too, I'll mention Alice, I think as you mentioned, you know, five, 10, 20 years from now, the computing power will be astronomically more than what we have now. It always goes through these leaps and bounds and you start incorporating, you know, artificial intelligence with the sensor technology. Soon there'll be enough computing power, right? And this, you know, the IOT, the Internet of Things, right, things are just now starting to come online. So I think what you're really talking about is a is an infrastructure that's completely connected. Completely
0: connected that would connected. enable something you're, like this. You're spot right? on. Yeah. And I, I will second that and just say that the the level of change and Innovation, I guess, is a good way to say it, but the amount of information that's coming in every day, every week, every year for IoT, for nuclear power, for electric battery power, you know, for all of these developments is truly changing so rapidly that you can't stay on top of it. So we, we can only try to keep up with it. And, um, you know, the, you know, amount of you know, new drone comes out and it's using this type of, uh, battery power. And then, you know, five months from now, that's not good enough and it won't sustain. So we're constantly changing and constantly having to learn and observe and watch what other companies are doing, but you do have to work as a team. It's, um, it, I mean, I came, like I said, from the food service industry where you, you didn't, you didn't, really work as a team too much you were like you know out for you know for blood numero uno (laughs) yeah it was um you know you know my why would you buy that product from this distributor when you could buy it from me or why would you go after that or you know you're constantly kind of poo-pooing the other company and you're trying to be nice about it you know to try to be a good salesperson but But,
1: you want to slam their foot in the door make them look a little bit inept
0: Yeah, sure. it's a it's a fight. And then this this world is literally a force of partnership. You have to be open to working with everything. And you have to say, This is what I need from you. I need you to help me. And not a lot of people are comfortable with that.
1: That's what it's gonna require to to pull this off the ground and no pun intended, because it's we're talking about literally. Yeah. <laughs> literally talking about doing that. Um you also mentioned some I thought some really cool kind of philosophical ideas. You know, around talent, you and i had had discussed uh, some some different thoughts about well whether it's interviewing or or how to work with a a mentor and I think you you brought some uh, some interesting ideas up you had a piece of advice that once you said it, it hit me like a a pallet of bricks.
0: Yes. So um, just to kind of dovetail even from what we were just talking about. So I mentioned that we all need to be this powerful team, right? And you have to learn how to ask your partners for help. So the best piece of advice that was ever given to me, and I can't remember exactly where I was, but I I know I was at a conference. And so I was just literally sitting there watching a woman talk on, on stage. And I don't even know who that person was, unfortunately, but I remember the words like verbatim. And so She said, the best piece of advice I could offer is to learn how to identify what you want and how to ask for it. And that really resonated with me because it also kind of transcends into sometimes you need to learn how to ask for help with that to achieve whatever it is or get whatever it is that you want. But I was really bad at that. And I recognized that at that point in my life, I, I knew that I was one of those people that I always wanted what was better for somebody else or what was easier for like, you know, I felt good if my friend was happy or I felt good if my relationship was content. I never really spent a lot of time on what do I want. And you have to take that into business too, because if you're leading a company like I am right now, what does the business want? What do they need? And sometimes a want and a need obviously are are very different things, but you do have, and you have to know the difference between them. But it truly does come down to what do you want to accomplish for yourself for your business or for whatever it might be. And in, in my situation, like it really started to shine its light when I started uh, actually dating my now fiance, but he was a police officer and he was just so good at identifying what exactly he needed out of situation. And I recognized, well, I guess that's what he has to do every day. Like he literally has to be react to a situation immediately and be able to identify what he wants out of it and what the customer or the client or in his situation, obviously, the, maybe the, the, the bad guy or the good guy needs and wants out of that situation and immediately take action on it. And so it was something that really started to provoke me to pay more attention to it. And I kind of formed like a, a process to work through it. But I also, you know, think I I think I recognize each situation as they come up, and it's just I try to take it one step at a time to figure out what it is that I want and how to ask for help with it.
1: Well, before you share the the three-step process, I've really been thinking about this a lot, what you said the first time we, we spoke. And why do you think it is so hard for business people to say you know what, they want or how to ask for or how to ask for help. Why is, it, is that a guy? Obviously, it's not just a guy thing. Well, I, I, I do
0: think it gets a stereotype as a guy thing, but I think it's definitely in it everybody's sure. Yeah, but you know, I, I wasn't a person that really wanted to ask for help. It's one thing when I'm like, hey, do you need anything from me? I'm happy to help you. It's different to say, hey, I need this from you. Can you help me? I mean, when I asked for my first person to help me look for a new job, um, the worst thing I did was say, I'm open to anything. <laughs> what is it that you want to do? I don't know. I'll do anything. Like that's too, the worst answer broad. you can give, right? Is too you're broad. too broad. So you, when you do ask for help, you have to be very specific, and you do have to recognize and go through a thought process with yourself. Like, hey, I need to understand what it is that I truly need or want right now. And so, what do I need this person to help me with? And then you have to, of course, do that ask that ask for help. So it's different than just asking for help with directions. Although guys get a bad stereotype with that, but even that is simple. What do you, where do you need to go? (laughs) You know, do you know where you need to go and where you need to get? Um, and so those are, those are little things, but the the hardest thing is to recognize that you have to ask for help, who you're going to ask for help, uh, from and then, but there's always somebody. So, and there's usually they're hiding in places that you don't even recognize. So it's easy to say, I have a mentor. I can go ask my mentor for help, or I have a coach. I can go ask my coach for help. In a lot of situations, that might not be the best person to give you the advice. And in some ways, you you really just have to go after what is it that you need. So if it's, if I'm in a relationship, for example, and I recognize that I need reassurance, I need to understand that my other my partner is being quiet and I don't know what he's thinking. So I need reassurance of the fact that you're still with me or I need reassurance of the fact that you are not thinking about what I think you're thinking about. So I need to ask my partner, for that reassurance. And that is a vulnerable state. That's a hard place to be, but it is truly what gets you to the next place. And so that's just one example. I mean, there's so many examples I could give. There's everything from like, you're going through a job change and you recognize that there's a big fork in the road here and you have to identify what it is that you want. Who do you need to ask for help? You need to ask help probably from, even though you don't want to talk to them about it, your current employer, like, what is, what is it that your employer is not doing right now for you that you need from them in order to stay with them? Like, talk, talking to people, I mean, a lot of times the companies complain about this. They get caught off guard because somebody left. We didn't know that that person was unhappy. We didn't know that person needed more money. Maybe they got more money because they asked for more money. They asked for help. So identify what you want. I need $20,000 more in order to stay here and work for your company. And ask for help with that. You know, ask for them to do that. And if they can't, then they may not be able to. But then you at least have your answer that this is what I need. This is what I identify with. For right now, for me to feel happy with job satisfaction, I need more money to do my job. And so those are things that you really have to get very specific about and ask people to either help you with or directly ask for what it is that you want or need.
1: I wonder how many people actually do that and specifically you know, ask their companies for more money. I think probably I would give a reason as to why I needed it.
0: Well, you would probably have to have a good reason for your ask too. So what have you done? Right, it
1: just can't be. To earn know, this? I, I, yeah, yeah. I want it.
0: Yeah. There, there has to yeah. be some some pieces with that. And of course, a lot of times in, in a job uh, comparison, like, or in a job situation, as I explained, you know, this, um, that obviously you're probably going to need like a, an offer letter or something like that. And that's a hard piece to do, but that's just how the work world is. But in other situations, like if you're, say you're, we talked about relationship, talked about like kind of this job change, but say you're just stuck in a rut. Like say you're just in a rut and you don't know why. And um, you know, it may be, maybe of course you want more money, but you don't have necessarily a proof of performance. Maybe your company can't afford it or whatever it is. You have to dig deep and figure out why are you in this rut? Are you in this rut because your job is making you unhappy? Or are you unhappy with the job because something else is unhappy in your life? So like, that's where you have to go through this three-step process as I call it. It's not really an, an actual process. It's more just kind of like some, some guidance on it, but it's, it's that you have to be very specific with yourself. And so you have to be, you have to identify, okay, this is what's bothering me truly. And it takes a lot of work to dig that up. To go it is that. hard. It's not an easy thing to do. No Sounds one should feel ashamed easy. of
1: that. Why yeah. is it so difficult for us to figure out our feelings? It's, uh, it's tricky.
0: It's tricky. I mean, there are people that, you know, laugh about, oh, it's hard for me to decide where I want to go to dinner that's because it's hard for you to be selfish or be in the moment and just say, what do do I want? Maybe you don't care. Maybe you really don't care about what you want to eat. But deep down, you probably want to choose something. Like you have to have something off of a menu. You're eventually going to make a decision when a menu is put in front of you. And it doesn't maybe matter where you go, but you have to identify what you want. And that is a process that's actually really, really hard for people. And it's way more important than what the food is that you're going to eat tonight. It's all about your health. It's about your well being. It's about where you go in life. It's about how your relationships succeed in life. It's about what your children want and how you work with your children. What do you want for your children? You know, it's all of those components and it's, it's everything really. You just have to get very specific with yourself and it's hard. It is very hard to do.
1: Do you have a, a, a trick to doing that? I know I've heard different methods. Some people just say, keep asking the question, why? You say, I, I need this. Why? And then just the, the five whys.
0: Yeah, the five whys are always a good one. There's always there's a lot of process out there, so I'm not going to say that this is the biggest or the best or anything like that. The only thing that I can offer is a little guidance and how I go about it. So I have a few moments of the day that are particularly like thinking places for me. So when I'm falling asleep in my bed, I think nonstop. If I fall asleep on the couch, <laughs> no problem. <laughs> it's crazy. But um, when <laughs> yeah, when I am actually going to bed, my mind is going a million miles per hour. And then, um, in the car, because I used to do a lot of commuting, I always have a great uh, thought process in the car, even, even if I'm jamming out to music or if I'm just sitting there, but usually I just have like my windshield time, right? it's when I used to go, especially in the food industry, driving from customer to customer. Um, that windshield time actually can become very important to people. It's the only time that you really get by yourself during the day. Sometimes, especially if you have a family and a busy life and a lot of other things going on. So if you're doing a commute to work, which a lot of us aren't doing right now. Um, and a lot of times people are actually stressed. I recognized, uh, when i left when i leave my home office and walk directly into the kitchen i don't have that commute time that windshield time anymore which is 20 30 minutes sometimes of you know time to think time to recognize what do i need out of my day and it would actually affect my mood and so if i walk immediately into the next room and i'm dumping on somebody because of a phone call that i just got off of what i want right then is to dump on somebody to get this out of out of my head but that sometimes causes more pain than it's worth. And so like, you know, you have to recognize and take time, uh, figure out where it is that you think best, where it is that you do your best processing. So that's kind of the first step. Um, so if it's the shower, if it's falling asleep at night, if it's your windshield time, if you can take 10 minutes and go outside, go for a walk, whatever that is that allows you a platform to think, then you have to go through that, you know, those five whys or that identify and identification of the question or the problem that you're having. So, what do I want uh, right now? Do I what do I want for my job? You know, what do I want for life? What do I want for love? What do I want for children? What do I want for growth? These are things that are big, big problems. So, like, you can simplify that, and you almost have to simplify it because those are really hard questions to sit there and say, "What do I want for my life?" <laughs> like, how many times have you gone and somebody said, "Like, well, what's your five-year plan?" So it's way, way too hard. So you have to really, really drill it down, and it can literally be like, "Okay." I, I really break it down into like the smallest, tiniest pieces that you possibly can. And, um, and a lot of times what I think is better is not to think of I have to formulate this path. It's literally like I just have to formulate like the smaller problems along the way. So like what's that like little problem for today? Why is my day today not going well? Um, well, did I have a bad conversation or did I wake up in a bad mood or have I had a couple of bad days because I really hate what I'm doing? Um, You know, those are little things that you have to start to, like, think backwards, kind of put the pieces together and identify what your problem is. So after you've gotten at least to some extent where you recognize it, and so, like, let's say, for example, I recognize that I love my stepdaughter, but she's driving me crazy (laughs) because she's wearing clothes that I don't like um, you know, how do I ask her to change her clothes? She loves to wear these crop tops and these clothes, but I can't stand it. Cause I don't think it looks very good on any child, let alone. I know. Yeah. Believe
1: me, I've got ai have got a 20 year old and it's, yeah, it's a, it's a constant battle.
0: It's a constant battle. Right. So like what, what's the best way to handle that? So, you know, you have to kind of like narrow it down and that's something that's maybe a little bit more tangible, a little bit more attackable, um, rather than what do I want to do for my life? But, you know, I have to figure out, okay, what do I think her reaction is going to be? Talk to, you know, there's multiple parties involved that have to make a decision and be on the same page. Like there's all sorts of things. I have to plot out that information. I have to kind of, I call it a storyboard, but you have to plot out whatever it is. I am a big writer of things. I like to write everything down that I can. Sometimes I have to force it because it's not fun. But I guarantee you, if you are truly going through something that's like a you know, mind boggler and you just can't get to the answer and you can't get out of your rut or you can't do anything else, maybe it's not with you. children's attire. Maybe it's with something that's a little bit more robust than that, but writing it down helps so much. You have to do this step. Pros, cons, goals, anything that you can get to. But even if it's just words on paper, I promise you the minute you start writing it and actually get a couple decent thoughts on paper, stuff will start to flow and it really will help. And then you have to talk through it a little bit too, but sometimes you can talk it out with yourself. Um, of course, after you get all of this stuff together, you're going through your identification, you've gone through your storyboard, then you have to actually, of course, look at what it is and try to figure out what your decision is. So it's not, it's really not a three-step process. It's more of like some guidance to it. And it sounds so simple, but truly what I, what I can only say is the best thing is the writing of things down. That's really what got, gets me to the next step is um, kind of plotting things out. And I tend to write my goals out. And so if I can't figure out what my problems are, then I figure out what my goals are and how can I get to that goal and what's preventing me from getting to that goal.
1: No, that is a, a fact when you create goals or have team members that you're helping with goals, they have to write their goals down and they need to um, speak them, you know, aloud as well and have people hold them accountable. Otherwise they, you just can't keep them in your mind. So that goes to your point of writing them down because when you write them down, they become more real.
0: They do become very real, and it's. Um, and I would say that the, the best people you can actually learn from are the people that you don't even recognize. So when I when I was kind of mentioning um, my fiance as a as a policeman as a cop, he um, he's so good at making quick decisions and identifying what he wants. I literally am impressed by it. But <laughs> social workers, teachers, all these people that have to do these really quick, really hard reactions every single day, they get so used to this that they can quickly control their what they need, what they want, what the classroom needs, what the society needs, any of these people that are kind of acting out. So they get very, very good at it. So they're actually kind of your silent heroes that are really good to observe and watch how they go about that process. And sometimes you just have to ask them, like, how do you always know what it is that you want? Like, how is it that you always know what you need to do today? Or how are you so efficient? Or maybe they're not efficient and maybe they're scattered, but they at least can get directly into the root of the problem. Right. So, um, that is a talent and it's, it's something that people should recognize, I think a little bit more and really hone in on.
1: Well, I think maybe this is one of your superpowers in addition to your, (laughs) in addition to my energy,
0: my energizer (laughs) bunny.
1: Yeah. Your, your energizer bunny, you know, take action. Um, you know, you combine that with this. Yeah. It enables you to maybe sort the wheat from the chaff and know, you know, what direction to take. Yeah,
0: I think identifying a problem um, or just really getting into that is something that, you know, it it gets pushed to engineers a lot of the time, actually, because what are they doing? They're solving a a, a situation, a problem, whatever it might be. I think everybody solves problems in their lives. But, you know, owning that as a superpower, like, man, teachers, police, social workers are putting out problems all day long. I give them a ton of heads up. I mean, a ton of uh, a lot of high fives. So
1: you can't give them enough. More than that. They deserve more than that. Before we go, because you've, you've really dropped a lot of great information on us, why don't you tell us a little bit more about your company, Vertex?
0: Um, absolutely. So I love to talk about Vertex. Vertex is um, uh, it's, a, it's an Ohio-based organization. We are doing a ton of stuff in Ohio, so thank you to all those Ohioans out there that are really supporting us. But um, it's, it, Vertex um, is a logistics software system. That's really what it is. Um, We have a lot of partners, as I've explained, because there's so much that really has to take place for um, us to exist. We can't do it all with the amount of work that we need to do and the amount of data that we need to use. We've got tons of partners that are helping us along the way. But um, Vertex is a logistics software system for the medical community. So when you think about um, kind of how I was explaining some stuff before, the medical community needs to move important, cargo. We call it cargo, but really it's everything from blood and vessels and tissues and organs down to just COVID vaccines. I mean, it's everything, uh, pharmaceuticals, drugs, you know, things that people need. And, um, and there is a world of convenience out there for sure. Uh, people do need these things at their doorsteps, but more importantly, the hospitals, um, hospital to hospital delivery is really where we're trying to play. That is a specific area. It's hard. You don't always have an ambulance to move things. Um, you know, ambulances are there for emergency response they do private transport. There are certainly companies that do that, but trying to move things across large distances, so hundreds of miles, um, especially when like, for example, an organ is matched with a patient and that patient's life that, uh, you know, there's a, there's a donation and the patient's life is dependent on it. So there's a life-saving element to this. And so moving something quickly is a, is a really big challenge in our world actually. And it's an even bigger challenge in the rest of uh, the global society, especially in third world countries and places where it's, uh, not really safe for ground transportation, or or they have less infrastructure, or different healthcare systems. I mean, there's all sorts of problems um, at a global level where this really actually plays. And so Vertex is working on a logistics application to bring all of the solutions into one platform. So you can see in a HIPAA compliant environment, imaging, um, Q&A analysis, uh, performance data, healthcare data, uh, customer Chat rooms, all these components, and then look at all the transportation providers that are available and then track all of the transportation for whatever it is that you need to move from point A to point B. And hopefully, we have the ability to route things in a more optimized fashion, move things more efficiently, and um, cut down on the time that really is lagging out there. There's a lot of lag time for coordination, there's a lot of downtime, unfortunately, between movers. And so, we're trying to cut that away by doing um, one seamless amount of tracking for point to point delivery.
1: Well, one of the other advantages of kind of you know introducing yourself on a you know platform like this on a podcast, and I know you're obviously out on on LinkedIn things like that. Do you anticipate having kind of unique uh, hiring challenges or, or or needs in the future? That if someone's listening to this and they they love the the thought of maybe working with you or helping you in some way, do you have any kind of upcoming? Uh, talent yeah. needs that that people might want to you know send a resume to you directly.
0: Sure. So we're um, we're currently closing out a uh, a capstone project with Virginia Tech on uh, data science, and so I recognize that there was a huge need for Vertex with data science, and so we couldn't actually afford at the time to hire people, but we we did a capstone project and um, it's a full year long project and we had, uh, five students. So we would actually be looking to bring on board some data scientists, um, at the completion of this. And I, and I don't know if the students from Virginia Tech will be applying or not. I think they actually all have jobs, um, because we, we aren't quite quick enough to be able to post our jobs ahead of time when the year starts. Um, but we will be looking at that. And then, uh, we will be looking for more engineers. We're always looking for engineers. I think the world is short on engineers, computer, mechanical, you know, um, everything really electrical. I mean, there's so many different types of engineering facets that we need, but especially with, like, mobile development, app development, iOS, or Android. Um, So there's all sorts of components there that we would be looking at. But we are in the midst of doing some simulation demos. So we are working through Ohio as a big platform for our autonomous development and validation, and we're getting ready to sign some pretty big partnerships. And I hope to have uh, a significant amount of capital after I go through a new raise to look at advancing and really expanding our platform and hiring a whole lot more people for Vertex uh, specifically out of our Ohio location, but also remotely.
1: Well, that is pretty exciting. And you heard it here, folks. First, this, maybe this is the, the beginnings of the, of the new, uh, you know, uh, on-demand logistics platform that the world needs for almost instantaneous delivery
0: instantaneous delivery would be great. People will pay for convenience. Um, and it's, uh,
1: uh, if people will pay for coffee to be delivered, come on, of course they will.
0: Yeah. So we're trying to, I mean, I think there's a lot of, uh, recognition with the need in our case. So in, if that's why we went after the niche market of, you know, this medical delivery space, but it does, it does transcend into a lot of other, um, uh, I guess it transcends into a lot of other uh, industries. So it's not just, I mean, it could be the automotive industry where you've got parts that are unique or rare parts that are in, you know, some crazy distribution warehouse at a far distant place. And they need to get to wherever they are. A lot of times today, actually in today's world, especially with some of the nicer cars and the newer model cars, uh, parts are actually made to order. So then maybe you're looking at a manufacturer in Germany that has to get a part sent over. I have a friend who just went through this um, with his Jaguar. And he happened to have a nice car, but he needed a part from Germany, had to be made to order, and then had to be sent over, you know, for him to get it fixed. Now, that's not necessarily as high importance as, let's say, an organ that needs to go into a patient that's literally on, you know, a life or death situation. But there's still a need for it not to take four or five, six weeks, if if possible, that person's maybe without their car. Um, You know, in a lot of situations, there's also, like, aerospace. If you've got a plane that's sitting on a runway, um, and maybe something... Maintenance wise went wrong, and you've got to get a part in, or else you have to unload all those passengers sitting on that plane <laughs> and get them off the runway yeah, back that into walk, the airport. Revenue. Sure. Yeah, there's uh, there's definitely urgent situations that are outside of medical, um, and there's tons of applications for it. The food service has a, a ton of application, in my opinion. But um, but there's there's a lot of industries industries that need this on demand logistics system. If uh, and I think we're still evolving in our name, but on demand is what what we define as now
1: well you start here and you develop it then the costs go down as the technology and the infrastructure is built out more and more and more and then it just trickles down to these other industries where the final product maybe not co- doesn't cost as much but you know the cost of the service has dropped as well well it's been a fascinating conversation about you know how we develop what the challenges are but i think people are also going to get a lot out of your philosophy really of just You know, learning how to identify what you want and knowing how to ask for it, and kind of going through that whole process, I think uh, it should help people kind of through their rut and kind of force them to kind of be honest with themselves. I know I had to go through the process. I know you have, and it's obviously helped you. You know, you are now um, leading a company and out there doing, you know, working with venture capitalists, and it's obviously working for you. And that's something that we can now use and help us you know, win at work ourselves. So I just thank you so much for coming on and being, you know, being part of the program today, Alice.
0: Oh, I really appreciate it. I think everybody can hopefully take a, at least a little bit of this away, especially through COVID and the whole world that we've kind of had change in front of us over the last year, but it's uh you know, what, what's most important to us is what matters most. We got to take care of ourselves. You got to make sure you put your health first and make sure you put you know, your company too. If, if, if you, if that's important to you, but mostly your family, your health and, and also your work. So, um, making sure that you recognize whatever those wants are, those needs are, you know, and in, in my situation, I, you know, wanted to run a company and I actually had to ask to run the company. <laughs> it was one of those things that I had to identify and dig deep with myself. And that happened right before roll well, it. Right, yeah. L- last year, actually I was a COO. I was not the CEO. And I, um, uh, transcended last year, right. As COVID was hitting, I was like, is this really what I want? And so it was something that changed for me and it was a big deal. And, um, and I, I had to ask for it, and I had to ask for support to have people, you know, vouch for me, and it uh, it worked, and I feel very happy that I did. But there's all sorts of little things that were speckled along this year with uh, how I had to identify what those wants were and make sure that it, you know, resulted in what it is that I wanted out of life. So there
1: well, you go, that- proof's in the pudding. Just ask.
0: Just ask. <laughs> and there's a power in asking, especially asking for. You know, a lot of people will say no, but don't be afraid of the no's either.
1: Well, that's a great way to finish. Thank you so much, Alice.
0: Thank you so much. Nice to meet you, Todd.